You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, who have been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons during our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, welcome in and a special thank you to anyone who is checking out the show for the first time. We really appreciate you guys giving us a chance and a special thank you as well to our loyal fans for coming back in with us today. We are calling an audible today. We had some scheduling differences with Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register, so we're going to circle back around and try to get him on the show again soon. But we had to come up with some different stuff to talk about today, and luckily we did have some fresh content that came around as far as the Chargers coaching search on Wednesday. So what we're going to be getting into is Albert Breer in his mailbag column talking about how the two most likely names for the Chargers are Brandon Staley and Brian Dable. I think that's good news to a lot of people's ears. So we'll talk about both of those guys. And then in the second segment, we'll talk about the reports that Urban Meyer and the Chargers now have interest. So the Chargers have now been linked to him, yet no interviews have happened yet. And we'll also get into the Chargers patient approach maybe leading them to lose some of the guys that they have interviewed, like Robert Sala and Arthur Smith, both guys who are getting their second rounds of interviews with some teams. And then to wrap up the show, we will be getting to into some voicemails. And the main theme of the voicemails today are going to be, first, Gus Bradley going to the Raiders and kind of laughing about that a little bit more. And the other thing will be the offensive line and who the Chargers bring back that are currently on the line and what the Chargers trying to do to fix it. So a loaded voicemail show today as well at the end. But let's go ahead and get into it. During his mailbag column for SportsIllustrated.com, Albert Breer was asked who are the favorites for the Chargers head coaching vacancy right now as he sees it. And the two names that he came up with were Brandon Staley and Brian Dable. And he started with talking about Brian Dable just because he did say that there is a thought that the Chargers wanting to get the most out of Justin Herbert is a high priority, but at the same time, isn't the end-all be-all. What he says is that his understanding is that the Spanoses are fine hiring someone who's a less quarterback-centric just so long as that person has a well-developed and detailed plan for the offense and for Justin Herbert. So he does like Brian Dable. He does think that that would be a good fit as well for the Chargers. And I know we've talked about Brian Dable many times, and I am personally, just from having read more about him and the more I read about him, the more I like him, especially just the relationships he develops with the players on his team. But David, what do you think of Albert Breer saying that Brian Dable is right now in the top two of the candidates the Chargers will probably hire to be their head coach? Music to my ears, Daniel. I mean, that's exactly what I wanted. I mean, we all saw what Brian Dable has been able to do with Josh Allen this past season and continues to do in the playoffs. I mean, his unique ability to formulate an offense around his pieces, what he has, and really maximize Josh Allen and really you know, transform him from a quarterback that came in with raw tools to a refined quarterback that is 
with an offensive coordinator that's accentuating his skills and what he does well. So that's uh, that's really music to my ears. That's exactly what I wanted. I hope that he gets a second round of interviews or however the Chargers uh, plan on going about this. But I really hope that they do uh, hold him in high regard because it's clear what he's been able to do with Josh Allen. And it's easy to think that he can continue to do, the, to do those things with Justin Herbert. Yeah, and the question then for him would be, you know, what are you doing on the defensive side of things now? And he does have a little bit of coaching experience on the defensive side of the ball. And you think he, with all of his connections that he has with the New England Patriots, with the Alabama Crimson Tide, even with the Bills, that he'd be able to find someone that would want to come and get an elevated position with the Chargers on the defensive side. But like I said, I mean, the more I read about Brian Dable, I've already, you know, come to his defense as far as his other stops in, you know, Cleveland and Miami and the skill talent that they had in those places when he was there leading. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. And also just the lack of continuity. The one thing that Brian Dable talks about with this Bills offense that you're seeing this year is that, you know, 10 players came back to this starting offense. They had some continuity there. And what you want with Justin Herbert is continuity. And obviously switching up the head coach and the offensive coordinator and all of those things is definitely an impediment to that. But at the same time, if this could be the start of something new where the Chargers are keeping a lot of their core talent on offense. So they have some continuity there, at least with the skill position players, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, all of those guys. But I just really love how he talks about his players and just how his players talk about him. I mean, Stephon Diggs openly talking about how much it's going to suck if they lose Brian Dable and reading stories about Josh Allen kind of confiding in Brian Dable after the passing of a loved one and just kind of opening up to him about it and he being the first person that he's going to with it. That's the kind of coach I think that would do most well with Justin Herbert because he's a guy, and he said it at the beginning of the season, I'll let these guys get to know me and I think that they'll follow me kind of thing. Like as soon as they get to know me, I don't think the leadership or any of those things will come into question. And I think Brian Dable is a guy that could come in and would really want to know Justin Herbert, the person, which is, I think even Shane Steichen said is the way to kind of reach him. So I'm very excited about that, seeing him, you know, and seeing someone we want to be the head coach linked to the Chargers because the Chargers have gone off the wall many times in their coaching searches and gone with guys that we didn't want. So to see they're taking these guys seriously is definitely music to all of our ears. But getting to the second part of this, Brandon Staley, another guy, I mean, if you guys have been listening to the show over the last couple of weeks, who's really grown on me um, just after reading more about him. And I know now he's kind of the hot name that's out there because everyone's kind of on board the Staley train, especially after his postseason performance in the Super Wild Card weekend. But this is a guy that you just feel has a really good vision for the team that he wants. I mean, if you read the things that players have said about him... And if you read the way that he approaches defense as far as, you know, not doing it the way a lot of other coaches do it, not going heavy cover three or anything like that, and getting the most out of a lot of players that most people hadn't even heard of with the Rams outside of Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So, David, I know this is somebody that wasn't as high up on our list when Anthony Lynn was fired immediately, but I think the more we've gotten to learn about Brandon Staley, the more we've liked him. And I think the Chargers in this are basically saying that they see some of the same things. Yeah, which is also great. I mean, and and I agree. I mean, Brandon Staley mostly for me is just because it's somebody I just didn't know. I didn't know who he was. He's only I mean, been a one-year defensive coordinator, too. Right. Yeah, he's a fairly unknown commodity. I mean, he's probably. It's, I mean, from what everyone else is saying, 
you know, in NFL circles, he's highly thought of. And he's a guy that's looked at as another Sean McVay type, as a guy who you see something amazing inside of a coach or you see a rare ability to be able to reach players and get the most out of them and maximize talent. I mean, I think everyone in the NFL is looking for someone who is capable of doing that. And they want to make sure that they get that on their staff and in in their organization so they can affect that change with that rare ability. And I think a lot of people think that Brandon Staley has that ability and I'm one that's starting to you know get more and more on that train every single day with more that we learn about Brandon Staley and I think part of the reason that Dable's still my number one at least is just the fact that when you have an offensive minded head coach you're not going to get your offensive coordinator poached as often I mean you might but at least you still have the offensive minded guy in the room that really created the offense whereas if you have a defensive minded coach and then your offense gets hot that guy's likely not going to be on the team the next season and I think as far as where he is on my list I think he might be as high as two right now Brandon Staley as far as the guys I would like to see just because sometimes there's guys who just seem to be difference makers and I mean the way that he approaches the game and also the connections that he has in the league to potentially bring in some offensive guys that would be exciting I think is something that has to be thought of as well because in the article he does talk about how he could go and target Mike LaFleur. Matt LaFleur's younger brother is the head coach of the Packers and Mike McDaniels the passing and run game coordinators for the 49ers and how he has connections there and would probably try to bring one of those guys in to be the Chargers offensive coordinator from that Kyle Shanahan tree is something I could definitely get behind because I love the concepts that they have up there. So as long as he has a great plan and has a good vision for Justin Herbert and what he wants Justin Herbert to be able to be, I do think the Chargers will give him the time of day. And I do think he has a chance of being the Chargers head coach, but There's obviously a lot of names still swirling around that exact conversation. And in the next segment, we're going to be getting into another one because now Urban Meyer has officially entered the arena. So we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that when it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as the feeling of accomplishment of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. And I know with the new year coming, all of us are finding goals that we are trying to reach. And the one thing that I've been using to try to get there, especially during quarantine, is Echelon. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their Echelon stride smart treadmill no matter what your favorite fitness activity echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio level classes always available when you need them unlike their competitors echelon is affordable for everyone and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time Right now, you guys can try Echelon Fitness equipment at home for 30 days. All you have to do is go to echelonfit.com slash locked on. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash locked on. All right. Well, we talked about the two front runners for the Chargers job right now. And I think out of all the names that were out there, I mean, if Jason Garrett had somehow popped up as one of the top two, I think we'd have something really to worry about. But a new interesting name has entered into the cycle, and that is Urban Meyer. And first, I'll start just by saying the most likely job that Urban Meyer is going to take is in Jacksonville. He coached at Florida with Tim Tebow. He has some ties down there already, and that is the really only organization that he's been linked to. He's already had an interview with their owner. He is likely to go there if he decides to make the jump in the NFL, which still hasn't happened. And I think 
that's kind of the hard thing with Urban Meyer. Whether you like him as a candidate or not is just the unknown of him you know, potentially deciding, hey, I like my job at Fox. I'm just going to stay here and not take the headache, no pun intended, of being a coach in the NFL. So I do think this is a very interesting thing that has happened now because now Ian Rappaport and Michael Ruffalo are both reporting that the Chargers have interest in Urban Meyer, yet no interviews have formally been done yet. So David, are you taking this very seriously as far as Urban Meyer potentially being the Chargers' next head coach? With all the things to consider about Urban Meyer and what he's going to want in a head coaching job, I just don't see it with the Chargers. I mean, they have Tom Telesco already in place as the general manager, and Urban Meyer is going to want control over everything. I mean, that's what he's already expressed. So I don't think that he is going to be the right fit for the Chargers. I mean, he has his pluses. I mean, this guy's won a lot of football games. He's won championships. He's been able to foster some t- phenomenal NFL talent year after year after year. I mean, he knows how to do that. But he's also has some questionable character issues. Also, the health is a major concern for me because you never know. I mean, you want continuity. You have a, a young quarterback. And, of, of course, you can say this about any situation, but – You don't want to have to worry about a wild card situation, removing your head coach, and then all of a sudden you're having to look for another head coach a lot sooner than you were expecting. So you just fired your head coach. I think it's time to give Justin Herbert some continuity and a feeling of security that his coaching staff, that whoever gets brought in is going to stay for a while and be able to really build that overtime, build that relationship, build that rapport, and keep that chemistry going over several seasons. And I just have a little bit of reservation on if Urban Meyer is capable of doing that. And I think a lot of other people do as well. I mean, it is something that's very risky. Urban Meyer has zero coaching experience at the NFL level. I mean, he's already talked to you know assistants and things like that at Ohio State. Supposedly, he already has a staff that's pretty much ready to move in if he decides to make the jump to the NFL. And, I mean, everywhere he stopped, whether it's Bowling Green or Utah or Florida or Ohio State, I mean, all of those places have been super successful. The guy's a three-time national championship. One of those he won with Tim Tebow. But that's the other thing I've talked about on this show as well is he's coached a lot of good quarterbacks, but the best NFL quarterback that he has coached is probably Alex Smith. The rest of the guys haven't worked out for whatever reason, whether you're talking about, you know, Cardale Jones or Braxton Miller or JT Barrett. I mean, even Dwayne Haskins has been a tire fire since he entered the NFL. So that part of it concerns me a little bit. And the other part of it is just having seen really good college coaches come up and fail before. I mean, Nick Saban couldn't make the jump, and I'm sure he thought that he could. And I do think that when you get Urban Meyer, you're getting a lot of really good scouts who you know bring in some of the most talented players in the country for Ohio State. So that part of it, I know that you can't recruit, but all of those guys that are recruiting people, they're recruiting them because they find talent in those guys, and they're trying to keep their talent at the top level. So I do think... That could be another bonus. You give a little bump to the coaching staff and to the scouting department. But at the same time, there's a huge risk involved. And me, David, I'm honestly just surprised that the Chargers are even thinking about making a big swing like this, which I think in its own right kind of separates this from other coaching searches. To me, it just seems like, I mean, they want to get their name attached to a big name head coach. I mean, if we've always talked about how we, you know, we thought that the Chargers might try to make a flashy move or a splash, you know, as a head coach, they've never done it. But it doesn't seem like they're not shying away from attaching themselves to those names. Like, especially the last several head coaching, last two or three head coaching circuits, we've 
you know, we've had the Chargers be connected to to some pretty hot, you know, flashy, you know, experienced type coaches, but they've never pulled the trigger. I think this is another such situation where they just want to stay in the headlines a little bit longer. It definitely could be. I mean, if they're not even having actual interviews with him at this point, I mean, I think it at least shows you that they're probably not ready to pull the trigger and make that move right now before they get a little bit more insight on someone like Brian Dable or on Brandon Staley. But it is something that a lot of Chargers fans don't think would happen just because of cheap ownership and things like that. But it does seem like the Chargers are willing to spend money if they think you know it makes the headlines, if they think they can make a move that could raise their profile in L.A. and all of those things. But I still think it's a very, very long shot that the Chargers will have a legitimate chance of bringing in Urban Meyer as their head coach. But a couple of guys that don't seem like they will be the Chargers head coach at this point are Robert Sala and Arthur Smith. Sala just had his second interview with the Jets, and now he is headed for an interview with the Philadelphia Eagles, while Arthur Smith is also going to interview with the Jets, but he also just got done with his second interview with the Falcons. So both of those guys were hot names on the list. Neither one of those guys were at the top of my list, but I know Robert Sala, David, was one of your favorite guys. I mean, it's hard not to like that guy, and he would also come with you know, those experienced offensive players, the experienced offensive coaches from the 49ers organization. So out of those two guys, which one would hurt you the most to see sign with another team? Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that I I like Robert Sala, and it's because of the intensity that he brings. I mean, he's an aggressive type of head coach. He's a loud presence. He's a a big presence. He's one of those larger-than-life presences. I think if you listen to what the players say about him, they all revere him. They love him. They're going to follow follow him anywhere. He's that type of leader. He has that rare ability to lead men, and, you know, not everybody has that. You know, it's just, you know, it's something that you have or you don't. Um, I think it can be cultivated and, you know, you can, you can learn how to do it better, but you have to have it within you. He has it within him. So that would be one of the guys that, you know, I would be extremely happy for. I would be happy if he was someone that the Chargers entertained a little bit more closely, but if he got a head coaching job, I I would be happy for him, but it would hurt a little bit. Absolutely. And the other thing that happens is, you know, it's thought now that Albert Breer said that either he or Staley is probably going to take one of those offensive assistance from the 49ers so either Mike McDaniel or Mike LaFleur would be going with one of each of these guys you know so both of them will probably be poached at some point and I don't think that's a small thing I mean if you look at what Kyle Juszczyk said in an interview with sportsillustrated.com he said that both have been extremely involved both of them could run their offense right now and probably could have years ago and basically they are the ones that install the 49ers offense and then Kyle Shanahan comes in and elaborates on some things, but I think those are both, you know, that's something really good to look at if you're trying to install a new offense with your young quarterback. So I think all of those things play a factor. And with Robert Sala, yes, the way that, you know, his players react to him and also the fact that you wouldn't have to change up your defensive scheme very much. He runs a heavy cover three scheme, but the bigger thing is, is he's much more aggressive. Unlike Gus Bradley at the very bottom of the league in blitzing, he was top 10 in the league in blitzing this year and performed with a lot of lesser players. I still think that Arthur Smith is a really, really good coach. And I think what he's done with that Tennessee Titans offense since the start of 2019 is super impressive. And I think you're seeing with all the attention that he's getting, he is thought of as going to be, you know, one of the guys who fills in and one of these open head coaching roles. So I do think Smith is a good option. I do think it'll hurt the charge a little bit not to have those guys, but 
I think you'd rather see either of these guys than the two guys that are most closely linked with the Chargers. So I do think the Chargers' patient approach hasn't come back to bite them in the ass yet, and it could. I mean, they've already lost a lot of assistant coaches and things like that, and the new coaching staff, Tom Telesco said, will have you know the final say on who the coaching staff is, so those guys are getting jobs while they can. But the chances are, if the Chargers wait too long, somebody they really want could get poached, and they have to kind of live with that. But I do think the patient approach is the right one. But we do have one more segment to get into. We have three voicemails, mostly centering around how to fix the Chargers' offensive line coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that I can take a headache away from you when you guys are looking for a car part. There's only one place to go, and that is rockauto.com. I know for the longest time, I was looking for a right passenger side mirror for my SUV, and I could not find it at any of the stores I walked into. Instead, I looked it up with rockauto.com after they became our sponsor, and I was so stoked because I didn't have to go into any more stores. I found it. It was super easy to find. I just put in what my vehicle was, and they had the part that I needed, and you guys can get that too at rockauto.com. They have everything you need, and the best part about it is whether you're a mechanic or just a daily driver, it's all the same price. They're not giving any discounts for professionals. You will get the lowest price available to you, and I think that's a great part of rockauto.com. They're a family business who's serving auto parts online for over 20 years. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. And if you guys go to rockauto.com, you can find all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I also need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. If you guys haven't bet on football yet, I will tell you that you guys are missing out and you shouldn't hesitate to try right now because... Not only is Bet Online the one place that we trust and the one place that has you covered, but it's also going to give you some free money. So there's really no risk to get in on the action while the NFL playoffs are still going on. We only have a couple weeks left. I promise you, when you're watching, you know, the Browns play, it's not just the Browns, it's your money on the line. And it adds so much to the game, it makes every game so much more interesting. And it's not just football either. You guys can bet on basketball or whatever sport is going on at the time. And betonline.ag always has the best spreads and they always have the best prop bets as well, which is something I definitely like to get in on. If you guys want to sign up and get that free money, all you have to do is go to betonline.ag and get a free account and use the promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. That's free money at betonline.ag. All you have to do is use that promo code locked on, all caps, one word for your 50% welcome bonus. All right, well, it's time to get into some voicemails. We really appreciate you guys adding some content to the show today. If you guys want to get on the show, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. But, you know, when an interview falls through, it's always nice to look on here and see that you guys are still calling in, still supporting, and still bringing some really good questions. And I think questions that we have as well. But we're not going to really start with a question. We're going to start with Deuce, who's coming from Las Vegas, in a place where they just got some good news for Chargers fans and maybe bad news for Raiders fans. What's up, y'all? Deuce here from Las Vegas calling in once again. I want to start off by saying, first and foremost, thank y'all for providing us with this platform, as always. Um, I I have to say, you know, I don't know, but I really feel confident about the fact that we're starting to get some really good juju coming our way, y'all. Um, you know, it seems like we're waiting on buying Dabble uh, so that he can really be the guy, the last guy that we interview and hire, right, um, which I'm very excited about. Very excited about our prospects in the draft. 
very excited about Justin Herbert's future. But today, what I am most excited about is not about the Chargers. It's about our hated nemesis, the now Las Vegas Raiders. And the reason I say that is because guess who they hired as their defensive coordinator? One Mr. Gus Bradley. And oh my God, thinking about Justin Herbert going up against that team two times a year under that man's uh, uh, stewardship on that defense means that we are going to be going bombs away, baby. I can't wait to see it. Gus Bradley is going to be a major fail for John Gruden, as he has been uh, in the past with the Jaguars and with us, of course. So I must say, nothing but good news all around, not just for our team, but also for all the, uh, you know, other teams in the AFC West that will remain nameless because they don't matter anyways. Go Bolts, Bolt Tub, baby. Yeah. So, David, I think we can all kind of rejoice in the fact that Justin Herbert could get to go up against a Gus Bradley defense in Las Vegas now that not only, you know, maybe not be the best fit for him scheme wise, at least on the outside looking in, but also a team that doesn't have a lot of pass rush and is probably not going to blitz very much. I know I talked to John about his kind of reaction to Gus Bradley going to the Raiders, and I know that Ron Miles was a guy that could have been kept with the team that I would have been happy about for the Chargers players because all those guys have good relationships with him. But I don't think there's a lot of fret about Gus going over to Las Vegas. You mean Ken Wisenhunt? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you ask <laughs> now, nah, Yeah, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm poking fun at the Raiders' social media. Um, but, yeah, I don't really care about this move. I mean, this doesn't bother me whatsoever. I mean, honestly, I'm just as excited because now I know twice a year we're going up against a defensive coordinator that's not going to make adjustments. So as soon as we figure it out, then we're just going to exploit it. So not worried about it at all. No, I, I'm definitely not either. I mean, I think that you look at when Gus Bradley was most successful – as a defensive coordinator, whether it was his time in Seattle or his time with the Chargers. I mean, really, the only time they've been really good, and I don't know if they were ever t that great with the Chargers. 2017, they were allowed, you know, the third least points in the league, but that was kind of a mirage as well. But he has to have a stock cabinet of good, talented players, and I just don't see that on the Raiders, whose defense right now is very much in transition. I would say it's a work in progress. So I don't see that necessarily being something that haunts the Chargers anytime soon. But let's get into the offensive line and let's talk with Roberto from Mexico, who makes a really good point about a lot of the playoff teams we're seeing right now. Hello, guys. This is Roberto. I got a few takeaways from the wildcard games. Like, the thing that impressed me the most about those games was, like, for example, the O-line that several teams have. For example, the, the O-line of the Saints. The old line of the Browns was pretty impressive as well. Even the Bills, I mean, even the Colts is a pretty decent double line, even though they were missing their left tackle. So everything, like, it started to fall into my head. Like, I mean, I don't know what the Chargers are going to do this offseason, but I really, really hope that, uh, that they invest in the old line, man, like, for real. I, I can be a little bit comfortable having Bullard and Trey Turner in the right side, but from the center to the left side, I, I don't think I can be comfortable with uh, Teddy, Lamp, and Finney, man. Like, I don't know. I would, I would like to know what your dream offensive line, offensive line would be. Well, yeah, guys, thanks for, thanks for the show. Really enjoy it, and yeah, go Bulls. Well, Roberto, I can definitely share in your frustrations with the Chargers offensive line, and I would say that you're absolutely right to not trust 
the guys that are currently there. I mean, the five guys the Chargers put out there this year led to, I mean, to five guys. The 15 guys the Chargers had to use on the offensive line this year led to them being the worst statistical offensive line in the NFL once again. So there's a lot of work to do. But what you're saying about the playoffs really intrigues me. And as far as my dream offensive line, I mean, I definitely have to put some more work into the draft. But I would say that, you know, they should invest heavily in the draft. They should not be afraid to go after a younger free agent offensive lineman. That would be something I could definitely get behind. But I agree with what you're saying about the playoff teams. I mean, if you look at the playoff teams right now, almost every single team that's still in the playoffs, David, has a good offensive line. I mean, yes, they all have good quarterbacks for the most part as well. But I don't think it's a coincidence that the, there are other many good quarterbacks that are sitting on the sidelines or sitting at home right now. And a lot of the teams that have the best offensive lines find themselves going deep into the playoffs. It's all about the core philosophy of building from the inside out. And you see it year after year after year with these playoff teams. They have great offensive lines. Most of them have some disruptive defensive lines, but they have built from the inside out. The Chargers need to do the same. They need to address this in free agency and the draft. I think they need to, you know, hit the well, hit this well multiple times. Tom Telesco is acknowledging in his end of year press conference that the offensive line is a big problem and they need to add to it. I think that if they go after guys like Joe Tooney, who's only 28, or Brandon Scherf, who's 29, yeah, it's going to cost you a pretty penny, but it's time. It's time to finally invest in quality players in the offensive line, but you do it in the draft and you do it in free agency. This offensive line needs a lot of help. It does. And it probably has to lead to, you know, some of the players the Chargers had last year not coming back with the team, even though I do think some of those guys will be signed. But there's a reason why when the Chargers get a lot of value out of undrafted free agents, it's not usually the offensive line where they're getting it from, right? I mean, it's the Jaleel Adais, the Austin Ecklers, the Malcolm Floyds, the Antonio Gates, well, I mean, the undrafted free agency is not a place that you're going to find a lot of high-quality offensive linemen, but you can fill out some skill position players that way. I mean, ask Tyron Johnson. So speaking of you know the Chargers and re-signing their own players, Barnaby from the 805 is calling in to talk about exactly that. Hey, fellas, this is Barnaby from the 805. Long time, no talk. Uh, I listened to the Balti Awards. I loved it, man. It was a really good show. Um, I love the what the F moment. Um, I got to agree. I think the clock management, you know, running the ball uh, with no timeouts is just the biggest what the F moment I've ever seen in professional sports, uh, especially the explanation, uh, as you guys touched upon uh, with Anthony Lynn saying it was miscommunication, and then it happens again. Miscommunication between who? Like, why aren't these guys prepared? Nobody was on the same page. So just real head scratcher. Uh, I want to ask you guys, because I've been thinking about it a lot and scratching my head about this as well, is what do we do about the offensive line? What would you do if you were Tom Telesco? Uh, I think, you know, Sam Tevy did actually improve a little bit. Would you re-sign him? Would you give Forrest Lamp, our comeback player of the year, another uh, opportunity? Um, Balaga, I mean, just that guy cannot stay on the field. Would you continue to pay out his contract? Very hefty. Uh, Trey Turner. Mike Pouncey, I mean, I think Pouncey's done. I don't know. Uh, Trey Pipkins, good Lord, if they don't get rid of him um, and send him to the Raiders with Lynn, I don't know if Tom Telesco deserves to be around just for that one player. Because um, I, I work in sales, and you need to work with your A players, not the people who can't do the job. You spend 80% of your energy on the 20% that can't get it done, and 
I just don't think Trey Pipkins has ever belonged. He's not from a Division One or a Division Two. But anyway, uh, just going back to my my root question, I'll leave it at that. What would you guys do about the offensive line? Who would you re-sign, and who would you get rid of? Thanks again for the show, man. Keep it up, fellas. What's up? So let me just first talk. Let me first start by just breaking down kind of the cap situation for the guys that are returning to the Chargers on that offensive line. Starting with Brian Bulaga, and yes, I expect Brian Bulaga to come back next year with the Chargers, and I don't think it's going to be because of his exemplary performance. I think it's going to be because if the Chargers did cut him after this season, they would owe him $14 million in dead cap space. If they do it after the 2021 season, it'll be only $3 million worth of dead cap hit for that third year of his contract. But There's that ripcord that Telesco loves so much. Yeah, exactly. And they will have that ripcord. He'll have another year to go prove himself. And if he, if he comes back and he is healthy, obviously that's a big stretch, but he would undoubtedly be the Chargers best offensive lineman. So I think obviously you still have to build it up behind him. You better bring in some guys that if he does eventually and almost inevitably go out, you have someone in there that you feel good about, you know, so I do think that's important. But to get to Trey Turner, I think he's honestly the guy that's more likely to get cut. I think he's probably pretty safe just because of, you know, the Chargers have 60% of their starting offensive line heading into unrestricted free agency. If the Chargers are to cut Trey Turner, they would get the grand total of $0 in dead salary cap space. So obviously we didn't get a very good look at Trey Turner last year because of all of the injuries. But if the Chargers do need to create some money to bring some people onto this offensive line, I think he definitely could be a candidate, even though it hurts me to say because I was very excited about the addition when it first happened. But looking at those guys, the 60% that could be gone, David, I think you're really looking at Sam Tevy, who was obviously very improved, Forrest Lamp, and also Dan Feeney, who, you know, if you watch their in-game interactions, could potentially be Justin Herbert's best friend. So when you're looking about who you would bring back from, you know, the worst offensive line in football, who would you be looking at? Honestly, I'd be completely fine with getting rid of Dan Feeney. I, I know that you know the team thinks he's the center of the future, but he's not been that great. He's not been a good guard. He's not been a good center. So they can get, a, get, get rid of him, and I would be just fine with it. I think they could bring somebody in that would play at a much better level, even get somebody in the draft to address that position. But uh, for me, I'm looking at like Storm Norton and and maybe Forrest Lamp. I mean, Forrest Lamp finally showed that he was healthy and you know is capable of playing at a fairly decent level. And then Storm Norton as a swing tackle. I mean, a guy that has some value can play left tackle and play right tackle adequately. So when Brian Bulaga does get hurt, you put Storm Norton in, and you're not you know you don't feel too bad about that. Yeah, and obviously, I think both of us would probably not totally agree with Trey Pipkin just leaving right now. I mean, he still has two years left on his contract, but. The fact of the matter is he's going into year three and you haven't seen as much development as you would like. You still would not feel comfortable going into the season as a starter at either of the tackle positions. That's something for concern because guess what? Trey Pickens is the only offensive lineman that Tom Telesco has drafted in the past two draft classes. And I think that says a lot. So the Chargers are going to have to heavily invest in the draft this season and potentially in free agency as well, even if that means you know getting rid of some higher priced guys that you have on the roster right now it has to be addressed and I think 
if Tom Telesco, you know, rolls out Sam Tevy or Trey Pipkins or whoever, I think he knows that his job is on the line. So I don't think that looks good. I think he has all the incentive in the world to go out there and fix this problem. The fact of the matter is the big swings he's taken haven't hit. I mean, it's been, you know, a couple home runs and a lot of strikeouts for Tom Telesco on that side of things. So it, there's a lot of... We need a little more done. Tony Gwynn here. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be good with straight singles. I mean... They have had some, you know, pretty good lower signings that have come in and played well. But now you're talking about protecting maybe, you know, one of the most valuable assets in the entire NFL. And you better do it because like a lot of those teams that are in the playoffs, you won't be able to get there if Justin Herbert is getting sacked 50 times a year and constantly running for his life. So it has to be addressed. And really at this point, I mean, I think Tom Telesco should know if he doesn't address it. Maybe he's the next guy to go after the 2021 season because if it's not the head coach, then the problem goes upstairs, and I think that's exactly where he's sitting. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow with John Kegley to give you the latest on all the coaching candidates, buzz, and all of those things. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page of Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. And if you guys could, please rate and review so we can keep this thing going if you like the show. We really appreciate it. Once again, the number for the voicemail is 323-524-7924 if you guys want to get your voicemails on the show and give us your questions or your reactions to any big moves. But that is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.